0: hi everyone and welcome to episode seven of the Bantercast. in this episode we have chris bradshaw who is a good friend of ben's where they met at a co-working space in this episode we talk about uh, chris's social entrepreneurial adventure which grows gardens and food in urban areas in washington dc uh specifically in ward seven Gentrification has been a topic we've all been thinking about, and it was cool to have an expert like Chris, where we could uh, sort of get access to his brain and his thoughts on on what it means and uh, and what what impact it has on communities and what he's planning to do about it. He has a really innov- innovative way to organize communities, and that is to start off with growing food in the communities together and building up a community uh, network that can engage and deal with issues around gentrification and. Urban planning. So it was a great episode, a great conversation, uh, and one that I learned a lot. in. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here's episode seven. Just saying
1: banter or banz over and over again is all good for amusing conversation. I'm the Archbishop of you can sign up on the off Welcome to the Bantercast. Um, Chris. Yeah, let's Save get us. let's get to Chris. Chris, Chris, Chris. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Save us. What do you do? Tell us about
0: yourself.
2: Man, I run an organization called Dreaming Out Loud and we use the food system as a way to build economic opportunity within marginalized communities. Um, and improve community health and bring in the people Washington together. DC area. Yeah, all in D C.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, What's what fun is, w- when you say that like house, are you like you're growing you're growing food? Yeah. So Right now, we have a uh,
2: what we like to call a micro farm down in southwest D.C. at a arts and events space that's really cool called Blind Wino. Cool. Uh, used oh, to be... A,
0: it's the, the church, right?
2: Yeah. It used to be Friendship Baptist Church. just like a hundred plus year old black church. Yeah. Um, it's on the National Historic Register. Back in the day, Marvin Gaye lived in that neighborhood, and he actually went to what? church there when it was uh, Friendship Baptist that. Church. Ben, no.
1: Did Marvin That's get killed? Not, his dad. He
2: didn't kill his dad. You.
1: Oh both. no! His dad killed him. What?
0: Yes. Yeah, Marvin his dad, his dad, killed, dad killed, killed, him. killed him. Yeah, I knew he was killed, but I do not know his dad his killed him. His dad me. killed him. Was it in this church? No, <laughs> it was not in the church. <laughs> but it was okay. in. DC. Anyway. Anyway.
1: I thought why have we gone? Sorry. Right. Anyway, gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway,
0: gay was just. Anyway. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah, H.D. Woodson designed part of the church as well. He's a famous uh, African American architect who HC Woodson High School is named after. It's a really historic spot. Um they
0: turned it into like this kind of psychedelic crazy painted like yeah, venue. Giant
2: work of public art where um you know it's like uh it's basically a mural. You know, the whole exterior of the church is a, a mural.
0: And people just you can just go there. You can just go there and walk around,
2: right? Yeah, they have open um Open hours where you can just come take a look, take pictures. People yeah. uh, love to just come, snap Uh They have, you know, special, you know, scheduled events and all sorts of fun things for people to do. They have free yoga classes. They have uh, a summer camp that they did this year where um,
0: different groups hosted
2: uh, awesome. summer programming for dance and art. But you're, so <coughs> you,
0: how'd you get into this? You, you basically, are you trying, you're trying to like uh, transform or whatever, help communities Through food, like how did you get into that? Yeah, I mean, you can tell by the name Dreaming Out
2: Loud, we didn't really start off in the food system. Uh, What happened was uh, I was helping write grants for a charter school in Ward 7 here in the city, and uh, the, the school had a teacher get really sick and couldn't make it for the summer period, and so, you know, I was there, you know, helping write grants and doing some other things, and they asked me if I wanted to help teach a class called Character Development. Cool. And I didn't really know what it was,
0: but they gave me a stack of materials, and was
2: they basically were like,
0: there you go. Wait, <laughs> you know, so you, you were, that. like, teaching, or how, like, how did they find you? This charter school found you, and you're like...
2: Yeah, we were helping write grants for them, oh, so, right, right. yeah, so it was just kind of like, well... You, you do got this some free too? time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do it. Okay, oh,
0: yeah. I've worked with kids before, so you working like, with kids teaching them about okay, how do you think about? Like, oh my god, yeah,
2: like character character development. So I didn't know that was a thing, but I thought it was I thought it was useful. Yeah, and so I started designing uh, an after school program. Uh, That's to cool. help the kids, and then uh, we launched the after school program, and it wasn't too long after that that um, you know the snack period would come around in between mm. the regular school day and the after school program. And yeah. they would be serving the kids Kool-Aid and Teddy grams for snack. Fucking insane. Kool-Aid, so Kool-Aid and what? Teddy grams. Kool-Aid and Teddy Grahams.
0: Actually, Teddy grams are fucking delicious. Well, so they well are. are t- insanely <laughs> delicious, but they're not Teachable good. Teachable moment. Okay, yeah. so yeah. Kool-Aid yeah. is a... I don't Kool-Aid. I don't Kool-Aid. Teddy Grahams? I don't Kool-Aid. Teddy grams? No. Nah. What is it? Uh, it's... It's, like potato, graham potato cra- potato. it's
2: graham crackers shaped. shaped like a teddy bear. They're just insane, <laughs> they, but they put honey on them and oh God, cinnamon. It's like all sugar. <laughs> it's basically
1: crack. Pure yeah, crack. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So oh wow. So, so that's imagine, what the kids were eating. Yeah. So you can imagine wow.
2: like 20, yeah. you know, second graders with all the sugar yeah, in the world. They're jacked. going nuts. Just oh, yeah. Then they pass out. It was yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a sugar high and a sugar crash.
0: That shit's insane. You could see their
2: like pupils dilate. <laughs> I've, I've, you yeah, know, yeah, i yeah.
1: <laughs> never seen anything like that in my life. It was. It, nice. sca- it scares me what kids eat at school. It really scares me. I've seen <sighs> some of the, you know, like they get those. You get cotton milk, fries, some burger that I don't know what it. I don't. You couldn't yeah, call yeah, it yeah, a burger. Yeah, yeah. Mystery meat. Mystery meat and uh, a slice of tomato. 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 Tomato tomato ridiculous and that's that's a dinner that's lunch if you're lucky that's that's horrific that's a good lunch so so chris so you saw this and thought what 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 was your sort of so
2: at first i tried to get the school to you know find ways to get healthier snacks um Mm -hmm. but it was just hard because Mm -hmm. they were cash strapped or whatever you know under resourced um so you where, know, where
0: exactly is this in Ward Seven?
2: This is in Ward Seven, like Forty Second and Benning Road, yeah. northeast. Cool. So and,
1: and and what's for those people who are not from DC, how how bad is that? That's a I know that that's a bad area. I mean, it's a very yeah. very very poor neighborhood, and it's a high crime neighborhood too.
2: Uh, I would say that's parts of that area of 75,000 people definitely have those challenges, but not all of it. It's not yeah. a bad area. You know, there, there there's, there's, there's challenged sh- areas, yeah. but there's, you know, a lot of community assets that could be yeah. uh, addressing that and are addressing that. And there's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, 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 a sizable percentage of middle and upper middle income folks there too. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, a monolithic the, not the thing. Whole, of, the whole yeah. thing is,
1: is mm-hmm. bad, but it's, it's not a wealthy... Generally speaking, it's not wealthy. It's know, so funny how we think. Not about as wealthy road as, road as some of the other
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> you it's know? just a place.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's funny how we think it Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. That's fair. I've said that's fair. Yeah. Um. But but it's okay. But there are a disproportionate number compared to say like yeah. I many mean, other some areas those in other
2: indicators you know negative health impacts from lack of access to healthy food are worse than other areas uh mm-hmm. there's some concentrated challenges around uh uh what well, I guess what we would call crime
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um
1: <clears throat> some what do you, what do you economic challenges what, what we would call crime
2: well i mean yeah we we often think of as i mean there's a whole lot of crime in northwest <laughs> there's oh, a whole the lot of crime on K street the, world. the biggest crimes yeah, in the world yeah. <laughs> exactly but they're not police yeah they're not police yeah you know
0: yeah. they pay uh, the police exactly exactly <laughs> are the police they are the police <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's very
1: funny Fair, yeah i think that's a good point that is that is a good point but it but, but it would um it would be seen as a it, would you say it's quite dangerous it can be dangerous
2: it can be Everywhere can be. So, I mean, it's just, you know, there's socioeconomic challenges. That's how I'd put it. You
1: know, there are social Mm. challenges to be met. Mm. So then, okay, so you tried then to figure out what can you do to get these kids healthy meals?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, continued on in the programming side to expand the character and leadership development to high school age kids. And, um... You know, you could see the evolution of the food issue. You right. had teenagers that would come to the Summer Youth Employment
0: Program. Starving.
2: And, well, starving or eating chips or yeah, yeah. honey buns and Arizona iced tea for breakfast. Which is not nutrition. Which, no, which is, it's yeah, like, you God, know. I love
0: honey buns. Yeah. I mean, amazing. <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> it's amazing. Exactly. But it's like the worst thing you could be having yeah, before you're
2: about to go maintain, yeah. you know, trails in a national park. Oh, my God. At like nine in the morning in DC
0: summers and it's already 95 degrees you're gonna pass out it's crazy that we basically like you give like 12 year old kids like an ungodly amount of sugar they Mm -hmm. fucking freak out they're just jacked on sugar and Mm -hmm. they crash and like then we just give them speed to like normalize their behavior like somehow after we give it's just crazy yeah it's so bad it's just a weird thing that we do to kids where we give them like sugar. a drug, a fucking mm. mainline, like Like we're talking about, like a shitload of sugar, like a yeah, so hundred sugar drugs. cubes, drugs, literally drugs. Yeah. Mm. And then when they freak out, we're like, oh, you see these kids can't behave. We got to fucking, we better yeah, put these kids in. Give them fucking, Ritalin. Give, give them Ritalin, give, this, give them
1: that. Give yeah. them speeds yeah. that are normal. medicate them. Mm. Yeah. So what, so, so what was your solution then?
2: So the first thing we could do, um, just what was uh, feasible from our end was to start thinking about a farmer's market and -hmm. we ended up starting a farmer's market at a church over there and um yeah it was it was difficult at first because we didn't know where to meet farmers we didn't know Mm -hmm. anything about farmer's markets really it was just like somebody gotta do something yeah so we just tried it and started learning more and more about the food system started thinking more about actually growing food i took a trip out to growing power in milwaukee and uh it was that was kind of one of those moments. I went out there, this uh, farmer, Will Allen, he was the first black basketball player at University of Miami. Whoa. Like 6'9", 60s, I guess. Okay, yeah. yeah. like like 6'9", like huge guy. <laughs> He's from Bethesda, the Bethesda area. No way. Yeah, he had, he had gotten re-inspired because he grew up on a farm. Whoa. He got re-inspired while he was like playing basketball, but he came back and he was working for like KFC and Procter and Gamble yeah. and just wasn't happy with the corporate life. And then he was at work, me in Milwaukee and drove past like some old greenhouses and decided to buy them and started a farm. And they were just like that's down the street from, you know, some of the public housing communities mm-hmm. right there, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in, um, in Milwaukee. And then that's how it started. Like, you know, that's how they got started up there. And I went up there and I was taking some workshops and trainings and it was just like, putting your hands in the soil and walking around a greenhouse is the smell of like earth. Yeah. It life. just kind of did something. Yeah. And I was like, I'm yeah. all, all the way in. So I started trying to figure out know, who me. else was doing this work. Mm-hmm. What other ways it could be beneficial to the neighborhood and be a driver of social change and other ways beyond just like here, we're gonna
0: have a farmer's market and here's some healthy food, right. why don't you eat healthy? Um, well, how do you do, how do you avoid that? Like how do you like ingrain into people's, into a community without coming across that way, like coming across like kind of like a high tower, like you're coming in, judging. Yeah, people. Yeah,
2: that's that's really important. You know, I mean, first off, people know what's good mm-hmm. and what's healthy and and predominantly is right. vegetables might, are good for you. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. people might not have, have access mm-hmm. or might not have the you know, your, your taste buds are trained away from it. You yeah, know, you're, you're, you're marketed trash you know at at every point so you know that's how you get distance from it and within everyone's culture is uh you know food is a marker of who you are Mm -hmm. so like one of the main things is connecting to the culture of the folks that you're working with um and working with you know uh in in terms of being able to articulate that to other folks in the community so it's about finding folks who are within the neighborhoods Mm -hmm. what those community institutions and assets are so that they're involved and engaged in a part of the process and it's not something being installed. You're
0: not just telling them, like, everyone's going to eat radishes today. Mm, There's no, like, input.
2: No lecture. There's no, like, none of that.
0: Right. How do you – so how do you integrate food into, like, people – like, you were saying their culture. Like, for example, like, in Ward 7, how how are you guys trying to think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, like, a 95% black uh, area, so – um, it's about connecting to those roots. You know, everybody's grandmother over there is from North Carolina, or yeah, South yeah, Carolina. Yeah. So yeah. there's agricultural knowledge. You know, it's just a matter of, like, yeah. connecting the generations and restoring and reconnecting that that connection of human uh, knowledge. It's know? super cool.
1: It's It's so strange that how completely severed our generation is from food and from where it comes from. Yeah, Um, nature. I I don't know anything about, I mean, I couldn't, I could maybe, I probably couldn't even grow a tomato, you know, I wouldn't know how to do it, I'd have to go on, I'd have to learn about it, you know, but like that knowledge is, I'm sure, somewhere in my family history they had to. But think about it, right, like,
2: it could have been in your family through your grandmother, right, your Mm. grandmother was farming, people's grandparents were farming, growing food, And it can not get disconnected in a generation or two. But Mm. just the, like, simple thing of growing a tomato is, like, tens of thousands of years of human history that can get broken if you're not careful about it. Or people break it on purpose for, you know, control. Right.
0: Yeah. Tell me about that.
2: So, yeah, I mean, the reason why it's... Broken and uh, that linkage is attacked, is so that you can control something, whether it's right. to control health because you want people to be unhealthy, mm-hmm. uh, because you want to market them and sell them things that make them unhealthy and make somebody else money.
1: Yeah, the bliss, <clears throat> the bliss point. Yeah, yeah. Do you think so, that's a Do you think that's a conscious effort to do that? Yeah, or it was funny you
2: th- earlier. You were talking about the opium wars, right? Yeah. So you mentioned exactly. China and opium wars. Fucking British. Yeah, the British. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Apologize. Apologize. Sorry, we're Sorry about running. that. I'm just going to keep ragging on the British. <laughs> yeah. uh, There's plenty more to, that could be done. <laughs> so here we are in the, in the scion of the British, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who's, you know, learned those techniques. Yeah. So if you were to take that uh, very real cultural an historical fact fact. Yeah. Right. Mm. And apply it to another time mm. <laughs> that has descended from <laughs> that yeah, l- it's like line foods,
0: of food science is food science is about is essentially a career track where you try to get people to eat uncontrollably. Yeah. I mean like Yeah. Uh, hit, I look hit, at
2: crack as an opium wars. It's yeah, the same oh thing. Same shit. It's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So food has always been a weapon too, you know, whether that was here in America, murdering all the, slaughtering all the buffalo, so certain Native American groups didn't have access to their cultural and mm-hmm. sustaining food source. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's always been a weapon.
0: Like that, these things are intentional. How so? Uh, how do how do you think food, like what impact do you think food and farming and gardening has in a community that's been severed from from it for so long? Sorry, say that one more time. So. What impact uh, does it, it does is there on a community that's been severed from their food? Like what does it what does it mean or what is what happens when you reconnect them to?
2: Well, people are disoriented, right? And it becomes uh, manifest in different ways in different parts of their their society. So, I mean, <clears throat> you're disconnected from your culture and your food, so you're disconnected from your uh, ways of learning and knowing, whether that's schools mm. or um, other and in, more informal. Mm. Uh, ways of learning. You're disconnected from one another on a just simple human level. So it becomes easier to like dehumanize one another or, or, you know, act out the the ways in which systems of oppression are coming down on everyone. It starts to be played out amongst, uh, you know, families or, or within, you know, buildings or communities. Yeah. So it becomes that much easier to Pick up a gun and shoot somebody when you when you're losing that touch.
0: There's no connection to each other because the 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 connection of food has been completely severed from everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've I've been thinking about this a a lot more recently. That you know when you listen to sort of government ideas about how you solve things like poverty and crime and stuff like that, and it's about you know putting more money into social housing and Mm -hmm. you know putting more money into public education, putting more money into development stuff like that. I mean, yes, I think you know definitely, but I think it's interesting what you're saying that there's a deeper problem. There's a there's a much much deeper problem going on here, and that's to do with our connection to our natural environment, right? Which is, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's quite weird to like. I grew up just thinking of nature as something separate, you know. Mm-hmm. London was a reality to me, like you know, concrete, concrete is real. Yeah. Concrete is real. Like this is my reality, right? So that's mm-hmm. what I grew up thinking. And then you go to the countryside, and I'm like, oh man, it's just a load of sheep and grass. <laughs> like who wants to go out of here? You know, who cares? Not understanding that this is where my food comes from. You know, this this land is what sustains me. The soil is where that gives that the nutrients for the plants that feeds the meat that feeds the animals that I take the meat from. No connection whatsoever, you know, and if you, I think that manifests itself in different economic brackets in different ways, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe higher up the scale, it's like maybe it'd be depression, anxiety, that kind of stuff. And when you're in a more, uh, in, in a less materially advantaged position, that could manifest itself in, in, in a lot, in lots of, you know, I mean, perhaps it's the same all the way up, perhaps one of that's the reason why we have conflict. I don't know, but I, th- I, you know, I sense more and more people beginning to understand this about their separation. From, you know, this existential crisis that they live in is actually what it is is about their separation from the natural environment.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's
0: <clears throat> unnatural. Yeah, it's unnatural, <laughs> right? Right. Like, because like it's, 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 it's unnatural. Concrete is unnatural. But people have been intentionally separated from nature. Yeah. Yeah. Like entire. Cultural groups have been entire, uh, intentionally separated mm-hmm. from I, Yeah, cool. w- we
1: all have to a degree, right? Where do, yeah. We all live in environments. No, we have
0: all been intentionally separated from nature. Well, like, I mean, I think people
2: are intentionally separated from nature because of the way we've been socialized because of capitalism to think about what nature is. It's like an extractive product. Yeah, it's just how do you maximize it and use it and exploit it versus something that is actually a part of us or a part of your actual society. I thought
0: like, so there's very, like I've been reading a lot about uh, sort of, you know, the national parks and how traditionally they were seen as like a birthright for all Americans, right? Mm -hmm. But Kind of for all Americans, yeah. and uh, and and what's happening now is a big push to privatize the, the national parks. So basically, to exploit the resources underneath them and sell off the, the them as assets. And it's very interesting to see the tribes that divide and align along that. So on both the left and the right, and it's interesting to see how like. So, like, hunting groups, like, traditionally hunting groups, right, who are very conservative, generally speaking, mm-hmm. are kind of up against now kind of, like, the other part of the right wing, which is, like, the traditionally capitalist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, you have a lot of groups that are, like, uh, tr- sort of traditionally left-leaning as well, like, a lot of uh, sort of people saying, like, look, we should exploit these this money and, and pour it into communities. And then you have people who are, like, that's sort of the, the environmental wing, of like the left wing, which Same. is sort of, it's very interesting to have, like, It'd be interesting to be in a room with, like, the hunters who, like, hate the vegans that they're, like, aligned with. And then, like, the bankers hating the, like, academics mm. who are, like, yeah, on the other side of the coin.
2: Yeah, I heard uh, Rick Warren at one point in time. That's the Purpose Driven Life, right? The Christian. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he yeah. was talking about how um, folks need to find, they might not gr- they agree on anything, much of anything at yeah. all, but at least find that one issue that you agree on and find a way to work around it and he brought up the environment as one of those things
1: you you would hope you would, you hope. would hope that that, no, no, no. that was one you know one issue that could unite everyone you would have thought but it's not because it's too much money there's, there's too much money and it, and and the right the the hard right in america has found a a very sneaky way of undermining undermining people's um Awareness about this issue or understanding of it, it's it's incredible. It's amazing to watch like how effective they have been
2: and moving the goalposts, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they'll describe Barack Obama as if he was like some Chairman Mao, s- like super, super leftist. Today. Right, right, like right, right, objectively, right. from a political right. science perspective, he was quite center left. Yeah, was <laughs> a, basically a centrist. Yeah. Centrist. Yeah, but yeah, then you know you can't even argue with some people that will you you can't ma- even make the case
0: that. There's no common no. facts, <laughs> common ground n- no. to discuss it. Mm-mm. Yeah, but I think it's interesting. Like, so I I believe that everyone who eats meat should hunt. I think, mm. or at least once in their life. Or try it. Yeah. Uh, I went hunting not too long ago and did it. I lived a year on only what I hunted, like meat-wise, like in terms of eating meat. A huge huge change in my, who I was. Like my meat consumption has gone way down, and it's had a huge impact on who I am. And, I'm a, and I bet the same is for people who, like, like you're doing, like, gather, get their food from what they're growing. It must have a huge impact on how you think about food. Yeah. I mean, you
2: know, there's studies that show that if a kid grows the food, um, uh, they're more likely to eat it. So it goes from the tomato to my tomato. So I'm going to eat my tomato. Um, and so they then intake more of, of uh, more servings of that. mm So, yeah, it's powerful to just be able to create something. How how do you
0: get because it's hard to get like kids to do anything, like especially something that that's different that that they've never done before. So, how do you how do you like engage people in in something like that? Man,
2: I mean, I feel like kids are curious, so you Mm -hmm. just have to uh, attach them to curiosity, yeah, and they'll Mm -hmm. get interested. So, I mean, things are, yeah, new things are fun. It's just mm -hmm. that you have to make it cool also. You know, you have to like be able to kind of speak their language and, and understand like what their cues are from yeah. when they're interested and how to interest them in things.
1: I, re- I really like um, Ron Finley. You heard it? Ron no, Finley? He, he's the gangster gardener. Oh, in LA. Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah. I mean, he that's what he does. He makes, he, he his line is like, you know, uh, growing vegetables is like growing your own money.
0: It's very true. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, he,
1: technically, yeah, he's, completely correct but it's an it's a good way of like reaching kind of young people who just have money on their mind and like fame and celebrity and they want to get rich and that kind of stuff so i mean they might not they might say okay yeah whatever but they'll listen get that radish money get that radish money (laughs) exactly get that broccoli cash um that's cool but yeah how, how do you do you deal specifically with that? How are there any strategies that you use with your nonprofit to to do to engage young people, or do you go for a certain age and then because is it too late at a certain age? Or
2: no, I don't think it's too late ever, um, but it gets harder. Uh, so I mean, our target populations we, we originally started out with children and youth, but shifted uh, as we became less of the traditional way you think of a nonprofit and 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 into what we are now and as we describe ourselves as a nonprofit social enterprise like we mm. want to build sustainable solutions right, right, right. um but it might just take a little bit longer and you have to be a bit more patient um and so
1: like gardening right
2: yeah i mean literally that's like the a lesson that is yeah. central to the work like it takes a little Plant bit more time seeds. you don't just throw a seed on the ground and then Pu- you know, yeah. punch a couple of buttons and then walk away and come back, and there's a pepper. That's yeah. not how it works. But so. You, so you
0: talk about sustain- I'm very mm-hmm. interested in hearing about that. Like, so how I think, because uh, I, I, it's very weird to me to go to like these fundraisers that, like, I went to this fundraiser for the like, NIH Children's Inn, which is like they treat rare diseases for the like, kids. Mm-hmm. It's like the greatest scientists at sick like Minds and Cancer are working on the ship. And the entire. Program hinges on like three fancy dinners yeah. to fucking give kids cancer treatment, mm-hmm. which is the dumbest, craziest reality that we like live in. Yeah, like can we get enough rich people to get in a room to have dinner, and then these kids because are gonna they, get? Yeah, they're gonna live. They're gonna live. <laughs> and it, yeah, It's, it's crazy to me like that. Our I priorities mean, do, work you, God like bless that. everyone who's doing I mean, yeah, it. Yeah, but it's weird. It's weird. Like I think that it's weird to me that the business model of nonprofits is basically have fancy dinners. Burn the cash for a year, then do it all over again.
1: Get rich people to come in. It there must be a better way.
0: Yeah, I mean, so uh,
2: if you're going to make sustainable solutions, you have to find revenue generating ways of sustaining. But then, even if you have those ideas, you run up into the systemic challenges of why the problem is there in the first place. And so, if you, it's like I can I can come up with a fancy way and great marketing and stick some vegetables in a bag and mm-hmm. this fancy csa and want to sell it right. in a community that has you know 15 20 unemployment exactly. it's like why is there 15 percent unemployment okay because the education system has been terrible for so long why is that the case why you know why like are you they keep going. The you yeah. keep going and it's just like it all leads back to capitalism it leads back to uh the systems that 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 are bearing down on them, and it just shows up in the food yeah. system. Or yeah. the food system is just a way, an avenue to open up the to open up the discussion about the other things.
1: Um, and have you had many successes that you can point to in terms of like have you are there like tangible results that you've gone into a neighbourhood and you've like kind of created some sort of sustainable um, system that that still stands and still going?
2: Mm, no, not yet. I would say that we've had successes in terms of getting markets up and running, uh, which are a challenge too because you, you have to start a, a farmers market in a low-income area. You don't generate enough revenue because to keep it, but yeah, you. because the folks are
0: poor. There's less cash. Yeah, yeah. So
2: it's like it circles back around. So it's and then and then in order to systemically address some mm. of the things that would work mm. takes. And a, a great amount of capital, you know, capital intensive and it's like where the sources of, of investment come for that. And then how long do you have before, you know, you can actually build out a sustainable solution. And if you're even if you're hitting upon the right mm-hmm. notes to, you know, make a, a, a sustainable solution. If um, if the people in the communities that I'm working in can't afford to stay in their neighborhood in another three or four mm-hmm. years that it's right. going to take us to actually build out this sustainable system, then what's the point of doing it anyway? It'll lead you back to the same conversation. Same, why, same right. conclusion. Same yeah. conclusion. Why, why, why is the right. housing market right. uh, sh- structured the way it is? Right. Who's who's from benefiting? Who's benefiting from, who's
1: benefiting from yeah. it? Mm. The like it, developers. It begins the, with a B <laughs> and it ends with a K. Bucks... <laughs> your <Yeah. Yeah>, bucks <laughs> yeah oh. buck? the buck the buck oh the, yeah nice. so, so yeah I mean of of course that the, the, these are huge there's banks by the way for everyone who's too stupid uh, I, didn't, I didn't get that <laughs> um, no no right so so is what there is a solution
0: in the capital market is there a solution
1: this is what I've been... Can capitalism solve it? Can no, solve it? that's
0: the problem.
2: <laughs> capitalism is the problem. So every time somebody yeah. wants capitalism to solve the problem with capitalism, yeah. then no. Right. So only free market ideologues who are really ideological about it, who are as dangerous as any other type of ideologue, mm-hmm. except that it's acceptable to be a capitalist ideologue, ideologue in this country. What,
1: what the sort of um, non-stop drive for profit at all costs. Yeah. And... and Making 10 times your money than getting out, getting the fuck out of there. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like in
2: DC in the housing market, um, all they're building now is like luxury condos that are certain amount of square Mm -hmm. feet designed towards a certain profile of uh, largely millennials Mm -hmm. whose parents pay the rent. Yep. <laughs> they yeah. can't actually technically uh, afford to stay there. They are not pulling right. themselves up by right. any damn bo- bootstraps. Right. 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 Their parents are buying the boots, strapping them, and pulling them up.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly.
2: So then, the same person in the neighborhoods we're, work- we're working in will be told to pull themselves up by their bootstraps by of some course. capitalist nonsensical fucking vision. Why aren't
0: your parents? Why aren't you? <laughs> yeah, where did your parents go it's to help a, you pay that? It's a fun- like so, is a funny thing. It's like somebody sees a a house that they can buy for what they think is less than what they could sell it for. Yeah. So they see a house, they say, oh, if I buy this house for $100,000, I'm going to sell it for $500,000. Yeah. A key, I'm going to buy it. And then, uh, so you think, okay, that's that's the process. But then what happens is because someone's put money in the neighborhood, the value of every house
1: goes up. Goes up. Yeah.
0: Which means that the property taxes have also gone up on, against the will of people who've already lived there. And so the question is like, how, how do we create a, what's, Systemic changes would allow for, because you're saying there's a cap, there's, there's not enough capital in this in this in this neighborhood, right? But you can't you
1: can't well, take the capital with the strings attached. There's, yeah, no, not at all. No strings, no strings. Yeah, but, that's I mean, and that's. I think that's a good, you know, having non profits like that that say, yeah, look, you're not going to get a or having an investments right. where where. You're gonna there's get not, a social return, not you know, a capital a social one. return, not a capital return, and yet yeah, you probably—I bet you would get um, an economic return if you wait long enough. It's like public education, right? Mm-hmm. Public education—it's hard to capture that return for an investor, you, right? R- right, like, but exactly, it's the same with public education, right? Mm-hmm. If you, you, that's why it's socialized. We decided to, yeah. you know, civilized societies decided to socialize their education mm-hmm. systems because obviously private when you when it's private you 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 know people who are investing want to they want a quick turnaround you know for 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 their money right so you know you can get loans you can you you can buy loans from um private investors now but they they want a big chunk of your income going forward
0: Hey, what do you but how how do we like allow capital to flow into these neighborhoods but not have that capital have the adverse effect like for example pushing up everyone's property values and then having their taxes go up and then forcing them basically to sell their house and like sell their, the primary asset and their like in their like net worth or whatever.
2: Yeah. Um I mean I think there're policies where you can um waive the property taxes especially for older mm-hmm. uh folks who are on fixed incomes which I think the district has done, but it's just like how quickly do you implement yeah. them and how do you do the outreach to actually find folks and put mm. them through that process? Yeah, (laughs) You know, it's one thing to put it out there. D.C. is good at passing things, but not good at implementing. Implementing, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, so.
0: Because our whole, the the way our education system works is that the neighborhood taxes pay for the local school.
2: Yeah. Which is classes.
0: Which is classes, (laughs) which basically says the richer the neighborhood, the better the school. The better the school, yeah. So which, but then, so the way, so when you go into a neighborhood like Shaw, like 10 years ago, people put money in. Uh, okay, taxes go. Property taxes go up, so you, the schools get better. But the people who live there are gone, because they couldn't cover the property tax. Can't and most people, when their property taxes go up, they think, "Fuck no, I'm gonna like make it work here. Like this neighbor's getting better. I'm gonna stick it out. I'm gonna pay my tax. I'm gonna figure it out." Mm. And then the ones who fall through the cracks have to sell their house at a discount because they're basically gonna be underwater. Yeah, losing money. Losing yeah, money,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy way of living that we've inv- we've. Design for ourselves, it really makes, it makes very little sense. Well, yeah. it makes very, a lot of sense to people it with makes, capital. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you have money, it's a, it's a great system. Um, but are, are there any examples that you've seen, you know, around the world where you, where neighborhoods have managed to protect themselves and they've managed to dramatically increase standards of living, um, community wealth while mm. having this kind of getting that balance where they've kept, know they haven't seen property prices shoot through the roof and Mm -hmm. people come in speculating on them and
2: yeah i can't really think of anything off the top of my head but i think i can you know some strategies people have used are you know community land trusts uh uh, putting things into cooperatives Well, actually Mm -hmm. i could use my own where i live right now as a perfect example uh the women in the building where i live um i think it was 2003 uh helped to with the georgetown uh law center, mm-hmm. turn our building into a, a cooperative, an income-controlled cooperative. So, you know, you, could, you couldn't you could move in if you made a certain amount, above a certain amount. I think it's like maybe $50,000 for a, a single person, and it goes, you know, different stipulations based on family size. So, you know, our rate is below market rate. That's the only reason I could afford to live mm-hmm. there, you know, in the building very right next to us. There's, you know, it's a market rate building, but many of the people that are in my building now used to live next door.
0: Right.
2: So they used to live next door. But what started happening was the, the, the folks that wanted to, to develop this building, uh, the one next door, started buying people out. Right. To, and then folks, actually some of the folks used that money that they got bought out with right. to buy into the cooperative. So they actually still stay in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why aren't more buildings doing that? Why can't there be more models like that? Mm-hmm. You know, Profit. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's right. also
0: like part of the issue in D.C. is the zoning laws. So mm-hmm. in, in the city, in Washington, D.C., when you develop, you're limited by how much you can build. Mm-hmm. So uh, someone comes in and they say, okay, I can build this much and I have this much. I need as much. I mean to maximize all Space, my, yeah. whatever the word is. Revenue per square foot, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they think, okay, the way I'm going to do it is make it as expensive as possible. And then uh, there's, because the, there's a limited supply in the city, housing prices go out of control. The limited, the limited supply, like, makes it so that, that the housing prices, like, the market can't find the housing price. And then it just stays up and, high. Up, and up and up and stays yeah. high. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the
2: supply and demand thing around housing... I think falls down in some respects because mm-hmm. I mean here even if you wanted the housing prices to drop um if you're talking about the communities that I'm working in mm-hmm. the family structures of people that I think about um so, uh, some El-, El Salvadorian family right. that's you know there's not a millennial or right. <laughs> two per two people they right. have multiple people right. in their family right. so if you're only if you're building that same Building up that same housing stock, but it's still a 500-square-foot, 600-square-foot right. thing only built for a certain right. millennial with certain supports, mm. you're still not addressing the problem. So the the market never mm. – the market is the problem.
0: Mm. Well, how do we – what's the
2: – And then oh, – sorry, one yeah. more thing. Also, that never, ever happens. Like, the rate of displacement as you're building these things never – Right. always outstrips the ability right. of the market to correct and right. adjust itself right. so people are gone in the first place. Yeah. And you're not going to go out and then go re-recruit poor people right. to right. move right. back in. Right. Right. So right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a false pretense. The market does not right. work. The right.
0: supply and demand in housing right. does not work. People get pushed in our neighborhood. Yeah. And they, there's no way they're going to be able to come back. Yeah, exactly. Right. You have
2: no money to stay, but you're supposed right. to like get pushed out and yeah. then find some relocation money to
1: like yeah. get out of here. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy.
0: <laughs> so what's the... I mean, I hate to use the word solution, but like, how do we address this huge disparity that's With, making within the system? Can you, you do
2: need rent the controls? Mm-hmm. You need uh, those tax policies mm-hmm. that that protect people. Mm-hmm. We need uh, to... the city needs to value community assets and public land. And that neoliberal aspect of like, let's sell everything off or mm-hmm. public-private partnership, which really just means give somebody's politically connected buddy a deal yeah. uh, those things need to end but those aren't those things aren't going to end unless communities are organized enough to have the political power to push back against them
1: and I think a lot of the thing is the, what happens is the, the isolation and the fear that a lot of people feel um, when it comes to issues like this it's like look, yeah all the stuff you're saying is great and I agree with it right 100% but I, I've got rent to pay you know, I've got bills to pay. I want to make a profit. I have to. If I got given a chance to like make a tidy profit on a property, right, or like go to the you know build a community co op, build a co op and a housing, whatever it is, and try and get. I, I, look, the fear in me says, take the money, take the money, do the investment thing. It's, you know, some, that's somebody else's problem. So I think that's what a lot of the time you're up against. You're up against
2: individual interests, individual interests where,
1: where if you could just convince people enough people to say, Hey, look, why don't we all stop smashing our heads into the wall? Right. And like turn around and talk to each other. You know what I mean? Mm. We could do something, but then if everyone is convinced that, you know, smashing their head into a wall is actually the best way to do it, then what are you going to do? And they're so scared that they're, they're turning around they might you know what are they going to see when they turn around yeah. you know you could all fall apart I think it's a real it's a really difficult one to sort of I mean what, do you, are there any what do, you, what do you think about you know things like local currencies and stuff like that have you have you have you ever read anything about that
2: yeah I mean I've seen where they've worked I don't I don't uh, I haven't had too, too much experience personally with local currencies and using them, but I know that they've worked in some places. Yeah,
1: they do some stuff in Spain. Um, but how,
0: my question is, so um, I kind of want to bring it back to what you're doing. So how do, how does this gardening project, how does helping people connect to their food sort of help in some way address some part of this problem?
2: Yeah, so one of the things we want to do is use it as the organizing tool so that people can begin to organize And push back for um, solutions that work for the neighborhood. So you know, for us, if Lincoln Heights and Clay Terrace and Richardson dwellings aren't folks from there aren't able to stay in that neighborhood, then we are. I feel like we would have failed because it's all about yes, building out a solution that's sustainable Mm -hmm. economically, but the social aspect of who it's designed for is the most important thing. So it's not—it's
1: not there to benefit property speculators is what you say b- that's basically because, what I'm saying but, yeah. because
0: it's funny like the one thing you're going to hear is like and there's a farmer's market <laughs> every yeah, Saturday exactly. exactly. you know and it yeah. helps people it makes people want to move in people from the suburbs want to move into this neighborhood because now they know they can get zucchinis like just fucking I'm, I'm
1: specifically moving somewhere that has like a co-op near to it yeah right because I'm like, that's a great neighborhood I love feature, that. right? You know what I mean? It made me go, oh, you know, this would be nice. And yeah, the realtors I can be I pretend young. I live in the 18th century or something, yeah. you know? So what,
0: how, is it, does, how do you avoid becoming just another part of the gentrification process?
1: Yeah, so,
2: I mean, you have to start thinking, like, the, the farm is a part of the organizing that gets people thinking about what if right. the redevelopment of Lincoln Heights is turned into a co-op and they right. actually own it. Then it's awesome, <laughs> right? 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 You, you then they're know, happy I mean, about th- it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then they can pass that ownership down to their kids. Yeah. Then when the neighborhood goes up, the
1: people that actually live there it builds wealth.
2: Builds wealth. That's super cool. Like you yeah. know.
1: So having having a community co-op would be to 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 turn yeah to would, get residents to be able to buy the land that they live on.
0: Yeah. So they, so do you like, like for a building like that? How how many would they say like. You can buy into it, or like by virtue of paying rent, you become a you become an owner of this.
2: So, at building. for our space, our our building, the Capital Manor Cooperative, I think that people had to originally, uh, people had to save up to pay like as mm-hmm. essentially a down payment, right. and then the monthly charges help to pay the. That's cool. You know
1: everything else like a normal apartment. But can you? I mean, I always think of there's so many cool things that you could do, right? But you just... It's the capital of this... But really how do you quiet. organize
0: the... i you, like the organizing thing, like, kind of salsa. So how do you organize these people who are just trying to get vegetables? So, I mean, there's people trying to do a lot of
2: things there. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people that um, have... Uh, one of our partners on Hustlers to Harvesters on Dick Street uh, used a garden to, uh, you know, refurbishing this garden to get the community involved and... Um, There's a woman who lives next door to the uh, garden. They were able to use it as an organizing tool and Mm. got her to um, inspired and ran for ANC, which is the area neighborhood commissioner. Um, For those who don't live in D.C., it's a kind of micro unit of government Mm. um, that's very neighborhood based. That's uh, that is under the D.C. City Council. Mm -hmm. So. You know, it was that garden that got her inspired in thinking about how to better the community for, you know, because she wants to build, our, you know, wheelchair accessible walkways and, and, and sidewalks and things mm. in areas that, you know, that don't have it in the neighborhood and certain amenities mm. and improvements. And you know it's debatable with you know without the garden that wouldn't have sparked her and gotten folks organized around doing that. So That's you know cool. we want to create more stories like that. And we have more people like that mm-hmm. inspired and in making change and having conversations about, well, how should redevelopment go? What does this farm mean? Yeah. Then you're using it the right way. The farm as a as the sustainable as the engine for sparking a lot of things and urban ag is sparking for a lot of change.
1: That's super cool. So there is a way. There is a way forward. Yeah,
0: it's it's about getting people together and under a certain, under a under a
1: basic vision of where like where they everybody needs to be going. Mm-hmm. So what's so look? What can we do to help get the word out? What do you need? What do you need from what do you need from us? What do you need from everyone listening?
2: Yeah, I mean anybody can go to dreamingoutloud.org, sign up uh, to volunteer, come see some of the work that we're doing. Uh, you can donate online, uh, follow us on social media, um, all our platforms, D-O-L-D-C, so you can keep up with what we're up to. Uh, I think it's also important to have these conversations amongst mm-hmm. your friends and, you know, your, your local neighborhood establishment, uh, your politicians, whoever is, uh, you know, within your neighborhood. Um, and I think it's important to you know, find ways to plug in, just kind of make change wherever you can, you know. Um, I would love to, you know, kind of, you know, highlight maybe some of the stories of folks that we know that are out there doing some of this work. That could be helpful. Sure. So, yeah, I think there's you a come lot of ways to plug in. Come,
1: what, why do we get you come back to the podcast, bring someone in who's got some doing, a, doing something, you know. That would be, I think that would be really cool.
0: It's crazy how, like, we're talking about disconnecting from nature or whatever, from the natural world. It's amazing like the impact of that on on individuals but in a community too it's crazy how just realizing like things are alive and you're on this living thing how that changes people don't know how this you start thinking yet. about the world differently and how you start like your incentives start changing and you're able to do things that maybe you wouldn't have done otherwise that's pretty cool
1: I think that's to me that seems key in, in in trying waking people up to to the living world that they they live in you know and understand that like hey if you don't understand where your food comes from you're you're severed from nature you know what i mean you're you're cut off from 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 source mm-hmm. right and maybe that would be a good a good way of putting it um Maybe we can chat a bit more about that. We can go a bit. Uh, we, you know, we're gonna move to the members section now. Oh um, yeah, we just spent a few minutes. Now the it gets section. Dirty. Now it gets real dirty. Soil dirty. <laughs> I mean, we hey, we Filthy. were we were talking about orgies the other week. Yeah, we were uh, last week. So I know a lot about orgies. So now. we're gonna talk about soil.
0: Yeah, there, this,
1: soil this, orgies. No, but I think there's a very some <laughs> it's it's real interesting. Um, it's a real interesting topic to explore, like the the concept of a living world a living you know you know how we're connected to the earth and what does that mean um for anxiety and depression and all yeah. the stuff that we're seeing like rocketing depression and anxiety levels in all areas of life, every every single part of the economic spectrum every from rich to poor from black to white everybody's mm. feels this you know depression uh, anxiety is increasing incredibly quickly mm. so i thought maybe we could talk about that in the member section um, so, if you're listening and you enjoy the show, um, give us—we uh, we support the podcast is completely supported on Patreon. If you go to Patreon.com forward slash Bantercast, that's where you can find our Patreon page where we post all of our members-only content. Um, that is uh, Patreon.com forward slash Bantercast give us a look and uh, yeah it's good karma so uh, very good very good karma so yes. so supporting a good cause Michael's beer yep um, we're out of beer now we're out of beer we need more beer
0: well, I've got bad beer but Chris yeah. is like a an aficionado and I'm embarrassed I'm embarrassed about like our beer life. stash so anyway
1: no we don't spend it on beer we spend it on podcasts yeah on kombucha yeah so anyway join us in join us in the member section thank you very much for listening again we'll post all the links to Chris uh, Chris's website and where you can find him on twitter yeah, yeah thank you very much. Out loud. very cool. Yeah. Awesome, all right, thank thanks you all. Chris. Appreciate all right.
2: it, thanks yeah. for having me.